This is the Concealed Carry Podcast, Season 4, Episode 16. And welcome to the Concealed Carry Podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com network, brought to you by Excess Sites. Today is Wednesday, December 1st, 2021, as of the recording of this episode. And I am your host, Riley Bowman, joined today by Matthew Marister. Once again, man, back back at it for the uh, Justify Saves. So Here we are. Yeah. Uh, you and I saw each other last week uh, virtually for the podcast uh, just before Thanksgiving. And we hope everyone had a wonderful Thanksgiving holiday and uh, also continue to enjoy this holiday season upon us between uh, now and uh, Christmas and New Year's. So we hope, or Hanukkah, or whatever it is that you choose to celebrate. Uh, I love Christmas. and Like, Christmas is my favorite holiday of the year. I have others that are right there, but I just love Christmas. And I love it because I've got five kids, and they love Christmas. (laughs) And it brings me a great deal of joy, seeing the joy in their faces during this special, and it is a special season, I think. Yeah. Uh, but welcome to the show. Guys, last week we only got one podcast episode out. We were supposed to have a second one. I had a guest lined up, but that fell through last, like literally last minute. So I wanted to give you a heads up on that, and I just couldn't get anything rescheduled before Thanksgiving was upon us. Uh, I, I had limited time, and everybody on the team had a little limited time, and then we had a, had a holiday. So, so we only got the one episode out. And due to some other previously unforeseen circumstances and the fact that um, we're slammed here, guys, and I, as soon as we're done with this episode, I got I to gotta get out of here and get down to our warehouse to help with some things down there. Um, we're, we're probably only going to get the one episode out this week. Now, if that changes, uh, well, you'll find out soon enough, but just wanted to give you the heads up. And I apologize for that, but uh, we hope to be back to our usual two two episode a week format next week, next Wednesday. That'd be the idea. And I'm working on actually getting not just the one rescheduled from before, but also having a, a really two guests on the show next week. We'll see if that comes together. Um, <clears throat> so today's episode, though, is Justified Saves episode. And that, that is our terminology for defensive gun uses. Uh, we like the, the phrase justified saves because, number one, we like to highlight stories that are justified in their use of deadly force in defense of life. And, well, that, that's the other part of that phrase, saves, right? So just like like Safari Land has tracked for years the idea of, you know, they, they, they say we've had our, our body armors, you know, we've, we're we're responsible for 2,000 some odd whatever saves, uh, referring to lives saved as a result of the use of their body armor. And so that's kind of the, the birth of that concept, justified saves, lives saved by the judicious and justified use of deadly force. We're going to cover those stories here today. Usually this also means we're going to feature some stories that were maybe a little less than justified or ones where we have a good deal of lessons to be learned from them. So that's the intent today is that we all come away having learned and hopefully can do better ourselves if we are to, you know, face a deadly force incident of some kind. So let's do this. Today's episode sponsored by CCW Safe. I think for the best 
self-defense coverage program out there, I would go or at least give a very serious look at CCW Safe. CCWSafe.com is the place to find them. Please get consider getting signed up. You can use the coupon code or discount code podcast10, podcast10, uh, to, or wait, hold on. CC podcast. CC podcast. Thank you. Thank you. CC podcast uh, for concealed carry. CC podcast will save you 10% off of a new uh, 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 CCW safe membership. I would definitely encourage you to look at their ultimate program, which is what I'm a member of. Uh, been a proud CCW safe member now for two, I think, full years, a little more than two years. And been very, very, very happy with their coverage. Uh, I think they are, like I said, the best in the industry with this type of program. And if you don't want to quite make the jump into the ultimate plan, well, at least give their defender plan a look. Or if you are a military active duty or veteran or a law enforcement officer, give their protector plan a look as well. Both of the both of the, the protector and defender plans are an, an awesome, awesome value where you get like 90, 95% of the coverage for quite a bit less money. Um, I still like the ultimate plan. It comes with a few extra little bonuses, but the, if, you, if all you can afford is the protector or defender plan, give it a solid, solid look. Okay. Uh, yeah. Check them out. CCWSafe.com. Randy on Facebook says he just renewed. Awesome, brother. Glad to hear that. Make sure you're taking advantage of that podcast listener discount. And also for our Guardian Nation members, you guys save even more, 20% to be exact. You got to log into your member's dashboard to see what the code is to be used for that larger discount for members. That's one of the big benefits of being a Guardian Nation member. Our other sponsor today is Elite Survival Systems, a relatively new sponsor to us, but we are still just as excited to have them as part of the podcast family and team here. Uh, I am still packing around their... Uh, stealth sbr backpack which i i love because it is low profile uh inconspicuous it's it's a great i mean it's got great styling to it looks nice and modern and sleek um, but you have no idea that you could be packing some serious power firepower inside there if you choose to do so or you could just use it as a nice big backpack uh i i'm super excited about uh, other things to come from Elite Survival Systems too and hope to be having some conversations with those guys about uh, some ideas I have. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see if uh, they'll listen to what I have to say. Maybe, maybe not. (laughs) Guys, check out Elite Survival Systems. Go to EliteSurvival.com. I'll tell you, um, I didn't fully appreciate all the products they have to offer on their site. You can check them all out. So make sure you head on over to Elite Survivals or EliteSurvival.com. And we're supposed to have a coupon code, I believe, for Elite Survival Systems. Am I remembering that correctly? I don't know. Um, I'm not sure. I might be thinking of something That's else. A good question. Maybe we don't. Maybe we should get one. Either <laughs> way, guys, I here's the thing. Um, even if we do or do not have a coupon code, I don't think actually as I'm looking at it, I don't think we do. But even if we don't, please consider giving your business. Even for those sponsors we have that have discount codes or discount programs, I would still encourage you to at least consider giving them your business even without using the, the discount codes, okay? Just because they're awesome, all right? And uh, more money for them means 
more better awesomer stuff right I don't know. Support those that support us and support American businesses, including Elite Survival Systems, EliteSurvival.com. Thanks so much, guys, for your support of our sponsors. So, guys, let's get into our justified saves stories here today. The first thing we're going to talk about is the Chad Reed-Kyle Carruth altercation. This is the Texas incident. started as some kind of child custody dispute. I'll give some background information and kind of hand it off to you, uh, Matthew, to give us a little bit more uh, detail there. But basically, we have a gentleman by the name of Chad Reed, who was very upset and showed up at Kyle Carruth's house. Chad Reed was previously in a relationship with what I believe is Kyle Carruth's current partner or wife or girlfriend or whatever. I I don't know. Correct. You know, you, you're, you're welcome to... Uh, uh, you know, provide, provide any additional de- details that you may have that I may have missed. Either way, we have uh, Chad showing up at Kyle's house. They're having a dispute about a shared child between Chad and his ex. Uh, that dispute's not going well, and w- the result is a gun is produced, and Kyle Carruth shoots Chad Reed and kills him in the process. Uh, the number one thing here is everybody loses because regardless of who you think was in the right or in the wrong, we have a dead father involved killed by this child's stepdad, basically. That's ugly no matter which way you slice and dice it. Matthew, give us a breakdown and kind of some of the more detail-oriented uh, information about this incident. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it, it, you've probably seen the video. If you haven't, uh, we'll embed it or we'll uh, include it in the show notes. All these stories, uh, links to them will be in the show notes. But um, you'll see in the in the video, uh, the firearm that's produced is like a it's like a pistol caliber carbine. I believe uh, I, I'm not sure if they I think said it's it the was Ruger. A, yeah, uh, PC carbine. Yeah, so probably like a nine millimeter carbine. Um, yep, and uh, but. You know, there was a lot of speculation on, you know, were, were the relationship between the, the the mother of the child and all that. And I really, to be honest with you, didn't even dive into trying to dissect who's, you know, cheating on who or who's with what. Um, I was just looking at it from a strictly self-defense standpoint. And I know there were a lot of people that were um, jumping to conclusions or or whatnot. And, and I think we have probably a lot of information we might not have everything but from what it looks like to me um i you know the problem i see with this whole situation begins with the the point of neither one of these men had the ability to control their own actions they couldn't control their emotions let their emotions get the better of them and that's where like i think we can interject ourselves into this situation because not all of us are going to be, you know, in custody battles and things like that, but we're all prone to be, to find ourselves in a situation where uh, we we may respond emotionally. And I think, um, you know, I, I think that if we can start behaving more emotional, you know, uh, more in control of our emotions in other instances, something like this would never happen. Um, But, Inevitably, these two guys, uh, you know, start 
squaring up against one another, pushing back and forth, trying to exert their dominance over the situation, just like, you know, you'd see animals out in the wild trying to exert their dominance or, um, and, uh, you know, they go chest to chest. The, uh, the Reed actually, or Caruth actually goes back in the house to retrieve the gun, um, comes back out with the firearm, just which is escalates the situation even greater. Yeah. Um, they start bumping chests there's, again. There's like a solid 20 seconds. Yeah. Between like while Caruth goes back in the house, Reed continues arguing with a female un, unsure of her relationship to all this. Might She might be the ex. She might be just another family member of, of uh, the uh, occupants of this home. But uh, yeah, there's like 20 seconds where uh, Caruth disappears and then comes back out with the gun in hand. Yeah. In, in the, and see, this is, this is the thing. Like, I know we've mentioned it a lot of times. We've even write, written content on the site about, you know, being overconfident when you're armed or thinking the firearm is, is going to be some sort of, you know, um, magic wand that deterrence tool. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Right. Just the presence of the gun. Now, sometimes that works, but in this situation, it didn't. And when it doesn't, it goes horribly bad because there's no other option. Now um, he has the firearm. There's, you know, uh, Reed's dumb enough to challenge this guy and say, what are you going to do? Shoot me. And he's assuming the guy's not going to shoot him because he's not armed. He's they're just bumping chests. Um you know, Reed actually, I think at one point sort of grabs the the muzzle of the gun or the barrel of the gun and um, and says, you know, uh, something about taking the gun away from him. And then and, uh, uh, Caruth fires off a like, appears to be what appears to people are calling a warning shot or some sort of shot into the ground. This doesn't deter uh, Reed either. He grabs the 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 barrel and kind of slings, uses it as you know, his momentum to kind of, uh, swing, uh, Caruth off the porch in at, you know, about, it looks like maybe 10 feet, five feet, something in that zone. Uh, he raises the muzzle and, and it doesn't appear as though Reed, it, it, you know, instigates or trying just to charge him or, or anything. It just looks like he's standing on the porch. Uh, cause we have two different angles. If you, there's a couple different videos, but, um, and then, you know, uh, Caruth fires and, and obviously Reed's hit and we know he dies. Um, but there are several people taking videos that aren't involved directly in this two, these two men fighting. And I mean, imagine, you know, I would just hope that one of these people would have had the ability to say, hey, instead of videotaping this, let me get my husband and try to calm him down and get him back in the house or, yeah. you know, like, well, the. You know what? That's a great point. Sorry, I'm interrupting you. Here. No, no, no. Go. This, is, this is a really great point. Um, you know, on the one hand, in this day and age, it's great when we have all this video uh, evidence available with situations like this. I mean, imagine how this one. Imagine how this case goes if you have zero video evidence, right? And you only have yeah. witness statements, right? And everybody that's involved is biased in some way right? Like you don't have any like true third party witnesses. Like everybody's involved in it in, mm -hmm. to some degree, right? The, it's great that we have video evidence. You know, everyone carries a video camera in their pocket these days, but here's the thing. The, uh, the, the video that's filmed from the house 
by one of the female occupants. And again, I don't know who all the, you know, who is who and their relationship to the uh, two men involved here. Uh, but the one lady filming from the house, you see her briefly in the video that's filmed from the truck by Chad Reed's current woman, whoever she is again, wife, girlfriend, I think it's his wife at this point. Anyway, uh, the woman filming from the house, you see her, she, she's actually trying, she's like basically telling Kyle Carruth, like, come on, come back in. Like she actually waves motions with her hands a couple of times. He's obviously not looking at her. I think she may have even said, you know, like, come on, come on, you know, let's, mm-hmm. let's stop this kind of thing. Um, here's the lesson learned. And there's a lot of lessons that could be learned, but here's one about that. If you are the third party, right? You, you can't serve two masters, right? As, as the ancient biblical text says, right? Here, you're trying to film something, but you're also trying to de-escalate it. You got to pick and choose. You got to choose one or the other. And which one is the more important one? Capturing video evidence of the altercation or putting the phone down and grabbing that man of yours or whoever it is uh, in some theoretical situation and dragging their butt back in the house. Right? You got to pick one. Okay? Mm Mm-hmm. And it's far more important we de-escalate a situation like this that's getting out of hand quickly. Far more important than we do focus on than, than focusing on get, capturing video. And it's far more important at times to call nine one one than it is to capture video. In all kinds of situations, it could be just for a basic car accident, and you got people who are like standing around filming video of someone dying inside their car or on fire, right? So. We, 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 man, this this age of at your fingertips, social media, you know, uh, inspired video content. Like, I don't know. Sometimes it's great that we have it, but there's a lot of times that people don't prioritize things or or keep things in the correct priority order. You know, Randy on Facebook says, "Look what happened to the guy recording the uh, Arbery situation. He got." roped into that whole thing mm-hmm. with charges, right? So, and not only, not just because he was filming it, there was more involvement there. But anyway, so um, I just, I just wanted to hit on that, man. Okay. Yeah. Cause like you gotta, you gotta pick one and which is the bigger, more important thing to do. Hey, instead of standing there holding the camera and in a sort of half what's, well, I know the, the one term, but be not appropriate for the podcast to use. Right. But in just sort of a, uh, uh, half effort sort of way, you know, like, come on, man, you know, holding the camera, make sure I can capture the right angle here. Come on, man. Let's, let's stop this. Yeah. You got to pick one, man. Yeah. All right. Just had to get that off my chest. <laughs> no, it's a good point. And, you know, um, th- this whole situation, I was talking to a buddy of mine about it. Um, couple days ago. And, uh, while you're throwing around Bible verses in my mind, it initially, I went to Proverbs where, where it talks about, um, he that hath no rule over his own spirit is like a city broken down and without walls. Like when you have no control over your own, um, you know, spirit, your own actions, emotions, anything, I mean, you're opening yourself up to a world of problems. And this is an example of what happens. And we'll see 
in, in, in other stories that we cover, um, similar things where um, emotionally they got involved and it led down a path that ultimately ends poorly. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can't go back in time. And, and I'm sure that, um, that Caruth is wishing that he hadn't done that, you know, that, that he would have gone inside and closed the door, uh, called the police. I, it, well, but I, you I just, would hope so. Yeah. Yeah. Now, he, he hasn't faced charges yet. Yeah. Right. Probably yet. <laughs> maybe, so maybe on the one hand, he feels like he did the right thing because in the law agrees with him. Um, which by the way, I, we could, we could go, we could go deeper with this. Here, here's another thing I want to touch on, Matthew. A lot of people saying stuff like, I can't believe the woman recording from the pickup truck didn't seem to be more concerned about her husband getting shot and killed. And I was just going to say this much. Okay. Um, I'm going to hit on this from a couple of angles. There's a couple of examples right from within this one incident. Okay. Uh, to the people that believe your gun will be a deterrent to stopping something from occurring or from de-escalating situation. That didn't happen here, right? To the people that think your threat or potential threat or whatever, that, that this this dude's going to back off as soon as you present a gun. Here's the thing. Chad Reed didn't, he wasn't phased by that gun one bit. He wasn't phased by that gun when a warning shot was fired at his feet, right? If anything, it pissed him off even further. Right, you people are in denial all the time about things, including or even especially in high stress situations like this. Okay, emotions get in the way, uh, uh, decision making is impaired. Okay, because emotion mostly because I think emotions are in the way. Right, people will say, "Well, stress is going to impair your decision making." That may be, it may not be, but what definitely impairs your decision making is high emotions. And not the and not having the ability to keep them in check, right? Yeah. So Chad Reed not phased one bit about this gun in his face, not phased one bit by a warning shot. He goes ahead and grabs for the gun, fights over the gun, throws Kyle Carruth off, right? And then he gets shot and he drops to the ground instantly. Woman recording from the truck, people are like, What the heck? What's what, what's wrong with her? She's probably in denial. She probably doesn't even believe what she just witnessed happen. Maybe she doesn't even think he's actually been shot. Maybe she just thinks that he's dropped to the ground because he got shot at, and he's like, oh, snap, hit the deck, right? I think probably the realization sets in a few moments later. But anyway, just people see stuff like this, all see similar incidents, and they're like, why didn't they do this? Why Why did they do that? And it's like people do weird stuff, and most of the time, because there's cognitive dissonance at play and people are in denial of what's actually taking place. The sooner you recognize what is actually happening, the better for you in all kinds of ways in life. So anyway, just understand that. And and again, we use this as an example of presenting the gun doesn't necessarily guarantee we're going to deescalate or stop anything. Mm Mm-hmm. Firing warning shots, same thing. Well, we've talked about this many times before. Yeah. Right. We've certainly have had other 
examples of people presenting guns and still getting attacked, of people firing warning shots and still getting attacked. Right? Yep. Now, as to who's right and wrong in this whole case, again, I think we'll probably need a separate episode to break that down. And I think we need more information. I'll be honest. I think we Mm -hmm. need more information. Uh, And I think more information will probably come out at some point. Um, but, uh, I, I think it is possible that when looking at this prosecutors would say, "Mm, we've determined this to be lawful. Okay. And it would fall under the category that I think Andrew Branca even uses the phrase of lawful, but awful. Right. Uh, although I saw his analysis on this and he, he thinks that, uh, Chad Reed was in the, you know, that he committed manslaughter. That's fine. Uh, you know, he's got his opinion. That's fine about it. Um, that's entirely possible as well. But again, also recognize that prosecutors may look at situations like this and go, yeah, we think this, but it's probably a bit, you know, it's not a, it's far from a guarantee that we're going to be able to actually press charges and win that case. Right. And so, yeah, decisions like that are made all the time to not pursue a case because it's not winnable. Or it's questionable as to whether it can be winnable. And prosecutors don't like to be seen as losing. We just had a high-profile one where a prosecutor lost in a big, big, big way. I promise you he did not want that negative press. He's probably not winning his next election. So anyway, um, I think the bigger thing to be asking the question here is, what would you do if you were in that situation? And the num- the on both sides... You're the upset mm-hmm. parent that's like, where's my child? I was expecting them here at a certain time or w- whatever the cust- custody dispute's about. You know what? You need to you need to back off. All right? There's way I mean, I know that that's upsetting. Children get involved, emotions run high. Nobody likes their child to be withheld from them or whatever it is. But letting something get es- get escalated to high pitch fever like this, that's not good. We got to recognize when that gets, you know, where, where we need to start step taking a step back and looking for alternative solutions. And if you're on the flip side of that, Kyle Carruth, right. Going and grabbing the gun. It probably was a better idea. If, like, let's just, let's just go inside the house. It seemed very apparent watching the video that Kyle Carruth wasn't making any sort of attempt of coming into the home. Mm-hmm. So, and which is probably good for him, actually, because he almost certainly would have gotten shot had he tried to, you know, come into the home, and and that would have actually probably presented a even stronger legal uh, case for uh, for Caruth. But uh, no, that go in the home, call police, let the the police or the court system sort it out. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah, I can't add anything. I mean, we'll have to see. And like you said, maybe we'll do a full episode or, you know, half an episode just on that. Well, we've practically done a half episode right now. <laughs> uh, let's talk about this uh, Florida road rage incident. So um, you wrote the article. I'll let you provide the the greater amount of detail here. But uh, so on on florida.concealedcarry.com, uh, Matthew published an article uh, covering this incident titled two dead following road rage shooting incident. And by the, by two, the reference there is actually a pregnant woman and her unborn child. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, 
And uh, the incident basically was a started out as as a we'll call it a traffic collision, okay, and a hit and run. And from there, it escalated into full-on shooting at this woman's home after she was chased down there. So give us the details on this one, Matthew. Yeah, so uh, this is really sad. So this happened in Orange County, Florida on the 20th of last month. Um, So a guy named Andrew Durr, he's riding his motorcycle down the street. This is uh, 5 p.m., so in the afternoon, uh, a woman named uh, Sarah Morales is driving a vehicle. Um, What reports are saying is that she intentionally hits um, Durr who's on his motorcycle. I don't know. They don't go into detail. At least I haven't been able to find, uh, you know, a source that said what happened. Did he cut her off? Was there something going on before this? Was it actually, you know, uh, that she purposely hit his vehicle in any event, she did hit his uh, motorcycle. He's not injured, but a witness sees what happens. Um, and, uh, Morales continues driving the witness, uh, who I believe has two people in the car, um, and Durr, who's on his motorcycle, follow Morales. They catch up to her at the next intersection. Um, they're telling, uh, her to stop that one of the witnesses has called the police to report a hit and run accident, um, telling her, Hey, the police are on their way. Stop right here. She doesn't, um, she continues goes to her house, pulls into the driveway and goes inside her vehicle. Um, the, the motorcyclist and the witness, um, the witnesses continue to follow, uh, stop on the street from what the reports I can tell stop on the street in front of her house as she's inside. Um, Morales comes back outside of the, uh, the house with the firearm. Um, at this point, she is also on, uh, on the phone with the police saying that's uh, calling and saying that she's being uh, harassed or, or um, uh, threatened by, by males who are following her uh, won't leave her alone. Um, she, as I said, she comes out with the firearm, points it at um, Durr. Durr draws a firearm. He's a concealed carrier. Um, he draws his firearm and fires striking Morales. Um, she is pregnant, five months pregnant. Uh, she and her baby both die. Um, when police arrive on the 911 call, you can hear in the background Morales yelling, hey, you, you men are following me. Get away from me um, before she's shot. So it kind of corroborates, uh, at least in part, what was being reported by the news. Um, and you see a video um, that police come, they arrive, take um, uh, initially Durr, uh, you know, d- d- disarm him, take him into custody, or at least cuff him and detain him uh, while they sort out what's going on. Um, but, you know, there's obviously this dovetails in, you know, similarly to the last episode i get it like you just got hit on your motorcycle it could be intentional it could not be obviously there are different levels of crime that are involved if it was intentional or not but uh, at the same time you know in, in the article i kind of break it down and say okay here at this point you know what what are your options kind of like uh, i i think back to those uh, when i was a kid choose your own adventure books right you get to a point it's like hey are you going to do this or that you go to that page um, there were, there were points along this story that, you know, you can understand them making 
making the decisions. Um, in hindsight, it probably, um, I, I don't want to say was the wrong decision, but in this case, it turned out to be um, a bad outcome. Um, certainly not to say that the concealed carrier didn't have the right to follow somebody who, you know, hit him. Um, but uh, if you can, maybe the best thing to do is to get a license plate and a you know description of the driver, direction of travel, all that stuff. Call it in the police and and maybe you follow at a distance, a safe distance. Um, but and and it seems like they didn't insta you know they didn't drive up on her on her driveway, which was very good. Um, they they seem to wait back, but you never know what the other person is going to do. And in this case, you know this woman wasn't a career criminal; she's a librarian. You know, like um, she's pregnant. And so um, you never know what somebody else is going to do or what's in their mind or what they're capable of. And, um, you know, this could have just as easily been a stolen vehicle, you know, occupied by some parolee at large and he's armed and you start following him and you get in a shootout with this guy. So um, just things to think about. Uh, It's a tragic, tragic uh, story. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Um, so again, so many lessons that can be learned from this, right? You know, uh, and again, we don't know everything that led up to the actual moment of her striking the motorcycle, although numerous news sources, as as is covered in your own article, Matthew, said that she intentionally did so. Now, I've seen where that's happened. I've, I've seen a number of... Uh, you know, videos out there where uh, there's altercations between motorbike riders and vehicles. And quite often it starts like where the motorist doesn't see the motorcyclist and, you know, maybe changes lanes or pulls out in front of them and that kind of thing. And it's not uncommon at all and, and totally understandable for for these uh, motorcycle riders to, you know, mouth off or throw the bird or, you know, pull up alongside and be like, hey, man, you know, like, look twice, save a life kind of thing, you know, and, 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 um, uh, and I've seen videos where the motorist retaliates towards a enthusiastic biker by, you know, swerving towards them. And even I've seen videos out there of them, you know, whether they intend to or not, uh, maybe they're just trying to scare them, but either way they make contact and the rest is history. So, um, Either way, what we know by sources is that she apparently intentionally struck the rider of the motorcycle. Um, After that, things get pretty interesting, right? Again, it's understandable and it's also not unusual in such situations to see the involved party and third party witnesses attempt to stop the motorist at this point is committing a hit and run, right? And I mean, that happens all the time. Okay. But, you know, there's, there's law enforcement agencies that get, that have gotten in trouble and do get in trouble for high speed vehicle chases and have changed policy in a big way because high profile incidents have resulted in the loss of innocent life from high speed chases. And I understand that you're offended. Maybe you were potentially. Like maybe your life was at risk by because of something that another motorist has done to you, such as in the case of this motor uh, motorcyclist. Um, but like you, you know what? If you've got video evidence, which a lot of these motorcycle riders have cameras on them now, or even if you don't, 
get the best information you can. If you got a license, a driver's license, or excuse me, a license plate number and a description of the vehicle, and if you can get any sort of description of the occupant or the driver, like that's probably going to be good enough for police to go look them up, check that plate number, figure out where they live, show up, interview them, likely take them, you know, into custody for committing a hit and run or whatever it is, right? So, um, but chasing somebody down puts other people at risk and people do crazy things to get, you know, to try to escape. Okay. Certainly have seen it happen. So, um, here's the bigger thing. You chase this person to their home. That really starts getting unnerving to the person. Now I'm not saying, I'm not trying to excuse what the other person did in committing the hit and run. Right. But just uh, just understand the mindset of that individual. Now you've followed them to their house. I have never seen anything good come of these road rage incidents or motor vehicle altercations where somebody follows the other person to their home. I've never seen anything good come from that. And so you do that. Now they're flipping out because you know where they live. You followed them there. That's, you know, that's their home. So she goes in and she grabs a gun and she's calling 911. I mean, it seems to me that in her mind, at least she feels like she's the, the one that's in the right and that she feels like she's committing the justified act in arming herself and defending herself at her home. Right now, again, lesson learned here, go inside your house Lock the doors, call 911, take up a position of cover, and wait for authorities. That's the smart play if you got to do that, right? But her going out to confront these guys, yep, that, that was probably not the smartest decision either. Authorities did say she pointed the gun at, at, the, uh, the, at, the, at Durr, the motorcyclist, and the others that followed her, okay? So at this point, it's like, okay, you know, like she's basically threatening them with a gun. So Durr, who's a concealed carrier, draws his gun and shoots her. Be interesting to see how this one sorts out. It's all going to come down to a couple things at play here will be uh, determining who the initial aggressor is. And I would say that you really have two different incidents, maybe even three. You got the initial bump and run You've got maybe a secondary incident where they catch her at a light and try to get her to stop and pull over. And you got a third incident, which takes place at her house. Okay. Just because maybe she was the initial aggressor when she intentionally struck the motorcycle doesn't mean that that carries through for the rest of these incidents. Okay. You showing up at her house. I don't know how that's going to be looked at. That's not for me to decide but just something to think about, okay? Um, or is she the aggressor here by coming out of her door with her gun? And now the key here is her pointing it at the other people. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I see no problem if she came out her door. I mean, obviously, again, the smarter tactical choice is stay inside the home, but technically, legally, her coming out of her house with, say, a gun in her hand, but not pointing at anybody on her property probably... Nothing wrong with that from a legal perspective. Okay. So depending on witness statements about her actually pointing the gun or not at Durr, 
It's going to be really critical in this case. Again, this is one where a bunch of bad decisions were made by parties on both sides. And we end up with a really, really bad result. We got to be smarter than this. We got to be better than this, people. That's why we talk about this stuff on the podcast. Please think about these things. Please be smarter in your decision making. Yeah. That's all I got to say about that. (laughs) Can't add anything after that, brother. Well, we better move on or it's going to turn into like a two-hour episode. (laughs) 74-year-old Ferndale woman detains 21-year-old burglar at gunpoint until sheriff's department can get to her rural home is our next story according to a website that looks like it was designed in 1999. (laughs) Uh, uh, KimKemp.com. It looks like a local news site. Uh, and I'll admit this, it's the Humboldt County Sheriff's office. I don't know what state this is in though. Anyway, tell us, uh, Matthew, kind of what's the, what's the story and what's the deal with this one? This yeah, is so, our do not do this kind of category, wasn't it? Yeah. So this is, this situation ends well, but I put in, I, I categorize this as a, what not to do, uh, because, there's definitely something we need to learn from this uh, incident. But uh, basically, um, about 9.19 p.m., deputies were uh, sent to report a burglary in progress in the 700 block of Pool Road. Um, a 70-year-old, 74-year-old female uh, has a firearm, is detaining at gunpoint uh, what turns out to be a 21-year-old man who is inside her home. Um, this is what ends up happening. This woman, 74 year old lady arrives home and it says, uh, she realizes, uh, notices that her door is, was open and things were moved about inside her home. Um, it it says, uh, uh, quotes, it says, uh, she found the door open. Several items were out of place. Um, while inside the home, this woman locates, uh, the the 21-year-old uh, burglar, his name is Campbell, uh, she locates him while she's in the home. Uh, she is carrying her firearm, uh, draws it, and points it at, uh, at Campbell and holds him at gunpoint, calls the police and all that, and we know what happens. So, you know, end of story, awesome. You know, a uh, 74-year-old lady is able to detain a much younger, probably stronger um uh, person, uh, just by the presence of the gun, right? So this is one of the stories where the presence of the gun is able to deter this, this fellow and, you know, everything's great. Had it not been, uh, we, there's several stories of people, um, you know, every month I have to sift through all these, uh, stories and come up with some good ones. Um, even this month, there was somebody who is, uh, an older gentleman who was, uh, drew his firearm and, was disarmed of his firearm and was used against him. Um, so it happens, right? So um, not to say that she wasn't ready to use it or anything like that. Just, just a thought, right? Um, the gun, uh, sometimes it's a de-escalator. Sometimes it, it, it you know, escalates it. And, it. and additionally, if you guys have w- listened to the podcast for any length of time, you know, uh, we kind of harp on this, but if you arrive home and your door has been breached or you know somebody was at one point in your home or is in your home, don't go inside, 
get to a safe place, maybe across the street or, you know, at a neighbor's house or something, observe your house, call the police and say, hey, um, uh, my front door's broken in. I don't know if somebody's still in there. I'm not in the home. Now, obviously, if you have family members in there and you need to check and make sure they're okay or you need to get to them, of course, that's a different situation. But this doesn't appear as though it was like that. So um, just some 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 things to think about. This was in our what not to do, even though it ended well, uh, you know, headline or title, whatever. Yeah, I mean, it basically comes down to being really, really, really careful where it comes to holding people against their will. Yeah. Uh, especially at, you know, at the, at gunpoint, um, we cover a number of these stories every year and many of them, fortunately for the homeowner works out in their favor. But one of these days we're going to end up with a story where you have an aggressive prosecutor that really wants to make an issue of that fact. So just a heads up, if we can let them go let them go. Right. Um, what, what's, what's tricky is situations that, that begin a lot of times, like there, there's certainly the, the situation where someone comes home and they discover the burglar inside the home. That's, that's tough sometimes. And depending on, mm-hmm. you know, where you are located to the exit versus the, the bad guy, the, the burglar, um, that gets tricky and kind of messy. If we have the option of withdrawing from the home, uh, probably a smarter play. But again, context dependent. Not every time will we have that option. Um, again, this one here. I mean, the, the key language here that we read, and we read these in many stories, is holding the bad guy at gunpoint until police arrive. And that's what this article says. The resident drew her firearm and held him there at gunpoint until police could arrive. So I don't know. I think it's really important that you can, if you, if you hold somebody, you're essentially affecting an arrest. You're preventing their escape. Okay. Uh, I would have a good reason as to why I did that. All right. You better be able to articulate that and you better understand the law and you better understand the law surrounding citizens arrests. Okay. And if there's a reason again that you can articulate, well, it was unsafe for me to allow them to leave. Okay. And the reason why, you know, put pulled my gun out and pointed it at them was because of XYZ reason too. Like yeah. Again, if you have the option of allowing them to leave or yourself withdrawing yourself from the home or from that area, that's probably a, a, a safer play from a liability and a safety perspective. But again, if your safety is jeopardized by doing anything other than holding the person at gunpoint, um, then, you know, obviously you got to do what's best for you. Anyway, just be smart about it, all right, and understand the law, especially in the case of citizens' arrest. And as we learned from that Arbery case, citizens' arrest statutes are not always perfect statutes either, and it can be tricky to actually I, to uh, uh, interpret exactly what they mean sometimes. Just something to think right. about. Next story: homeowner shoots wounds alleged intruder in Baxter. This, according to NewsTalkKZRG.com, this happened in the 
in Baxter, Missouri area. I don't know exactly where that is, but it sounds like, I think it's in the southwest part of the state. Um, I think it's near Joplin, which is where the big uh, um, tornado went through probably, what, like a decade ago now? Yeah. Probably a little more than a decade, I think. I think it was like 2008, nine, somewhere thereabouts. I drove through Joplin actually a few years back and kind of could, you could still see the swath of damage, you know, just where there was nothing, right? Just open space where homes were ripped up from the, from the ground. Pretty crazy stuff. Anyway, in this story we had, Oh, this is actually South, Southeast Kansas, excuse me. So it wasn't in Missouri, but this is according to a Missouri uh, news site. Uh, but Southeast Kansas right there is on the border of Southwest uh, Missouri. Uh, we had an alleged intruder, according to this article, they are in custody after the homeowner says he was forced to shoot him after he broke into his home Monday night. Uh, Baxter Springs police department responded, uh, due to the call. This happened on Monday night at 8 42 PM. Uh, the call was a report of a person breaking into the residence. Officers were advised on the way to the scene that one adult male had been shot <clears throat> And the first subject encountered was identified as a Sean James Talent Jr. of Baxter Springs. Talent was leading the area when officers approached and observed he was suffering from two gunshot wounds to the thigh and leg. He was detained and an ambulance was dispatched. Occupants of the home came outside voluntarily without incident. Detectives on scene conducted interviews, and it was determined that talent had invaded their home and assaulted them. They also stated there were two juveniles in the home also at the time of the invasion. Okay, so this is really key detail right here. This is according to this article. It says that the homeowners barricaded themselves and their children in a bedroom, and when talent continued towards them, the homeowner fired several shots, striking talent twice once in the thigh and once in the calf and officers did seize a nine millimeter handgun this seems like a pretty clear-cut case of uh self-defense in a home uh and that key that detail right there like i said is really key because that says i mean i'm not saying you have to barricade yourself but i'm saying that's a smart tactical play but also even if it's not required shows a good deal of restraint and, and demonstrates that you you did not want to use deadly force. And I know that in most cases where it occurs within a home, it's these sorts of things are usually sorted out pretty simply and clearly anyway. But this is just this is this is a good thing to, to be able to show that look, broke into the home, I gathered my family into the bedroom, and he continued trying to come toward, towards us, even though he warned him off and I pointed my gun at him. And only when he would not continue or would not leave and continue to come towards us where we were barricaded and trapped in our home. Then I shot the guy Mm -hmm. like that almost cannot go against you. Mm -hmm. So, and again, it's a smarter tactical play. Yeah. Situations inside of a home. Now, the only thing here, Matthew is they shot him in the thigh and calf. So I don't know if that was like intentionally only trying to wound the guy or if they just suck at shooting, both are bad options. Yeah. Well, yeah. And this, you, you point that out. Uh, where was, where was uh, talent arrested down the street, right? He was shot twice in the leg, was able to leave the house and go down the street. So this is, uh, you know, when people say, well, just shoot him in the leg or, or whatever, this guy was still, or could have still been a, 
absolute threat had those shots, uh, you know, had those been the only shots, let's say he has a five shot revolver and he gets two shots on misses three and talents hit two times in the leg. And he has, you know, uh, the intent to murder this entire, you know, family. Um, he absolutely still has the ability to, right? He's able to walk down the street. Um, so um, that's just one thing that, you know, you were talking about uh, marksmanship. Some people would be like, well, he got the job done, but um, just we always want to, you know, get good hits, not only to to, to stop the, the threat quickly, but uh, for liability's sake, uh, otherwise, you know, hitting uh, people not involved. Um this was I included this just because of the barricaded uh, detail that they barricaded themselves. Mm-hmm. It's an awesome um, tactical play. And not only that, but um, we sometimes cover in uh, as I was going through this month, one of the stories that didn't make it was uh, a guy who was shot who um, actually was being beat up at a house party down the street. He started pounding on this person's door, ran down the street. He was, he got, you know, beat up by very badly by a bunch of people running away from this party. People were chasing him. He runs, starts banging on this door and tries, you know, is like trying to get them to let him in. And the homeowner shoots him. Um, wasn't trying to harm anybody. Now, in this case, it's, you know, it says they assault this talent assaulted the family. But when you, barricade your family into an area and you're giving commands like, Hey, get out of the house. You're not welcome here. This is not, you know, I have a firearm. I'm going to shoot you. If you continue, not only is it tactically smart, legally smart, but it, it buys you the ability to have a little extra moments to discern what's actually going on. Is this person maybe mentally deranged? Are they drunk? Uh, you know, do they not know where they are? And they just kind of came into my house. Um, certainly, you know, people are going to be like, oh, they come in my house, they're leaving in a body bag and all this stuff. But if we have the ability to, you know, discern the situation, get a little bit more information from a safe point uh, that's not only tactically, but in legally good, but um, gives us that ability to, you know, uh, give the person extra time to say, whoa, maybe I'm not in the right spot before we pull the trigger on them. Uh, that's a win for everybody. So I thought this was a good story. Yes. Yep. Agreed. C4 Defense on YouTube commented, uh, there is no duty to retreat in your own home. Uh, Yeah, we agree. Okay. But uh, again, and I said that earlier, there's there's not an obligation to retreat. There's not an obligation to barricade in a room. Uh, But uh, we believe that in many instances, that is the the smart tactical decision. Okay. Because again, if if I can force my intruder into a so-called fatal funnel, right? Like if they got to pass through a fatal funnel, that's good for me from, from a, just a pure tactical perspective, right? Um, especially if I got a, a position of cover, right? And I'm familiar with my home. They are not, they're the intruder. I know what, what's a good position for me better than they do. I know what's cover better than they do. Uh, and I've got the gun or whatever defensive tool I may have. Okay. So anyway, um, yes. Woman shoots 13 year old suspect and attempted carjacking. This one happened in St. Louis. Uh, Matthew, why don't you give us a brief summary of this one? And yeah. this is a fairly brief story to begin with, but this is an interesting one. Yeah. So this, uh, she's a 37 year old woman. She comes out of her home, um, or is walking towards her vehicle. Um, and a two teenagers, 
um, approach her. Now, in the video, and not in the written part, but in the video, she says she she noticed or was paying attention and noticed that these these teenagers were looking at her, and that that struck her. Um, so one of the the two teenagers approach her, uh, ask, "Hey, do you have a cell phone?" She says, "No." Uh, the older of the two says, so you don't have a cell phone? Uh, she says, nope, I don't have a cell phone. Um, he pulls out a firearm, points it at her and says, well, then give me your keys. Um, she produces the keys. Uh, one of the suspects that turns out to be a 13-year-old, all right, a 13-year-old, um, takes the keys and tries to get in this woman's vehicle. Um, while this is going on, um, she produces a firearm and um, uh, shoots uh, the, the, the other suspect who is pointing the gun at her. Um, and he turns out to be 16. Um, so he, they say, you know, that she recognized or thought something was up with two, a 16 and a 13 year old. So to me, she, when, when I heard that, I was like, well, that's good because she's paying attention. Um and she said, even in, in her statement, she said uh, she was trying to remain calm uh, in, or keep the other person, keep the person who is armed calm so he wouldn't shoot her. Um, that's really, I mean, that's very intelligent to be able to control. Once again, she's controlling the situation, controlling her emotions and saying, okay, I'm, I'm picking out when my opportunity to be able to produce the gun from her purse uh, and shoot. Um you know, she's, she's keeping him calm, trying to, to pick a, an opportunity. She was aware of what was going on and even being aware, she wasn't able to completely avoid it. Um, it turns out the 13 year old was hit in the leg. Um, he, they find him, um, and he's in, you know, he's in juvenile hall. Um, and, uh, the police are still looking for the other, uh, other suspect, but, uh, you know, a couple of things she said struck out that, you know, stood out to me and just, uh, also the fact that this is a 16 year old and a 13 year old. So, um, just, you know, it's, it's a sad state when we have 16 year olds and 13 year olds committing armed, you know, carjackings, uh, and robberies. Yep. Yeah, I did. F um, find it interesting that um oh wait no i'm thinking of the next story so let's get to this final story delivery man shoots kills armed suspect trying to rob him in philadelphia it's similar to that last story in that mm -hmm. this, this occurred outside the home a vehicle is involved it's essentially a robbery carjacking type incident um but uh in uh, Phil in the philadelphia area you had two armed suspects who decided to rob a delivery man. Doesn't say exactly what he was, you know, like doesn't specify who if he, he's Amazon a food, Prime or UPS or anything. He's like, like that. a food Grubhub uh food delivery guy. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess that makes sense, like the, the use of the term delivery man. But anyway, yeah. um so it says here the victim was leaving his home after dropping off a delivery. Oh, that's Okay, I, I totally missed that line. I skipped right over. You know, they got this ad placed right in like the middle of the news story, and that sometimes interrupts your ability to actually read and understand what's going on. You can't understand where the ad starts and where the ad ends. Um, the victim was leaving his home after dropping off a delivery to his family after midnight 
that's when three suspects attempted to rob him. They approached him, demanded money. He Now, this is an interesting tactical decision. He said, or he reportedly then told the suspects the money was in his car. While the suspects were looking through his car for cash, he pulled out his gun and fired. And he, apparently quoting him, he says, I don't like violence, but it's in self-defense. Wait. This is a witness. No. Who is a witness, this? A witness statement. Where does that even come up in the in the story? <laughs> this, this is terrible journalism. This is this is you know what these people need to go back to school because <laughs> like we should at least introduce the fact that there is a witness right. providing a statement and give us like it says said Gail of Mayfair. Mayfair is like the neighborhood where this occurred. So we we only get the first name of this person and it just is totally out of the blue. <laughs> I don't really like violence, but it's in self-defense. So if he didn't shoot them, they might have shot him. So I think in that case, there's not much he can do, said Gale of Mayfair. Terrible journalism. <laughs> Besides, there's a terrible website that puts advertisements in the middle of text that you're trying to parse through, which is already terrible text because it's terrible journalism. All right, I get off my soapbox now. Um, two men were hit several times with bullets and taken by police to the hospital. Uh, each suspects, each of the suspects shot were approximately 20 years old. One was shot multiple times across the body. He remains in critical condition. The second suspect was shot multiple times in the chest and later died from his injuries at the hospital. So interesting that both of these suspects were transported by police. So I guess they threw them in the back of their squad cars and were like, here we go. Mm -hmm. Get you to the hospital. One of them so far is surviving. The other one did not. Two guns were found at the scene. An arrest has been made. The delivery man does not appear to be one of those arrests, and he did have a permit to carry. So what I find interesting, Matthew, is, again, it seems like the delivery man, the victim in this case, is not being charged with anything. But it's interesting because he tells them cash is in the vehicle. While they're searching for cash, he suddenly decides to basically ambush them at that point. I'm not saying that was wrong or whatever. Like, I'm just, I, that's an interesting tactical decision. Uh, they did have guns. So there's that aspect. It, we didn't learn that though, till again later in the article when it says guns were found at the scene. Terrible journalism again. <laughs> um, so it makes it seem as if they are not armed, at least initially, if you're reading the article, and then he decides to distract them and then blow them away with multiple shots each. Yeah. I don't know. Um, I, I do think that we should be careful about using excessive force. Okay. Cause there is a potential for that. All right. And, um, I, again, these guys are actually armed with guns, which apparently at the very like the last second to last sentence of the article, we learn that fact, apparently. Then, okay, that probably makes this pretty clear cut. But um, let's just make sure that, again, we are using justified force and we're not like crossing any lines ourselves. This was a very tricky trick that this man played on these guys but i like this story because 
it does show how he created his own opportunity to defend himself. Mm-hmm. So what makes me what 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 I find curious about this is is what what if he had simply allowed them to rummage through his vehicle, and then like that was it? Like what if he didn't use deadly force? Now what was the other aspect of this is he told them cash was in the car, so that apparently may not have been true. So when they called him out on his bluff, realizing there was no cash in the car, that's probably when things would have become um, dangerous for him. That's not immediately clear upon reading this article, and especially with how this article is written. Yeah. The fact, though, that that the witness says, so if he didn't shoot them, they might have shot him. Here's the thing we don't use deadly force because of what we think somebody else might do. There has to be a reasonable interpretation of the evidence. Okay. There's, there's gotta be a reason why we use deadly force. And, and that that reasonable belief is based on evidence that we, we perceived of what the intent was or what they were going to do or uh, intended to do. That's key. Okay. So don't place a lot of faith in statements. Like if he didn't shoot them, they might have shot him. We come across that from time to time. Well, I had to shoot them because I didn't know what they were going to do, but they might have done this. That's not the same thing as saying, because I saw a gun in this man's hand and he threatened me with it while he attempted to rob me, that's a very different statement. You see that? As opposed to, well, the man had his hand in his pocket, and there was an outline that I thought might be a gun, or I never really saw I just saw his hand in his pocket, and he said he had a gun, and that he would shoot me if I didn't comply. That It's just, that's a little different. Okay? Again, I'm not, some of you probably disagree with me. But I think it's really important that we understand that most of the time, these sorts of things are based on a reasonable, a reasonable, a reasonable belief that they were going to do X, Y, Z, and is based on my perceived uh, how I like. I have to have evidence for what I do, okay? And that perception is important, but it better be a reasonable one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And some food for thought. Yeah, definitely. And this 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 article, like you said, was horrifically written with a lack of uh, detail. But in the video, there was something that popped out in the video to me, and I thought it was worth noting. Um, I don't, you know, you kind of covered the legality of it and those uh, um, aspects, and I and that's awesome. Um, Something that was said in the video, this neighborhood is uh, mostly Brazilian and Chinese immigrants. And it's interesting if you listen to the the witness statements, there's a couple people that give, you know, interviews or, or a little uh, statement to the to the reporters. And it's interesting because even the 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 girl who says, you know, I, I, I don't like guns or I don't like violence, but um, she she realized that the the benefit of this person 
being able to defend themselves. Um, and there's another, you know, uh, appears to be a, a Chinese man who gives a, uh, an interview and he, same thing. He's like, you know, it's good that he has the ability to defend himself. And so I see this, you know, interesting kind of dynamic that people, um, who have come here from other countries where, um, firearms may not be allowed realize that, you know, yes, there, there are shootings in America and, you know, we don't want that to happen, but, um, the ability to have a firearm for self-defense is, is something that is important. And I think they, you know, a lot of immigrants coming from other countries embrace that. And I, I, I thought it was, uh, just an interesting point to kind of point that out where this happened. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, that's an interesting observation. I didn't pick up on that. Well, some people online think I'm overthinking this. That's okay. Um, if you think I'm overthinking this, feel free to write in. You can send us comments at podcast at concealedcarry.com. You can tell us what you like about the show. You can tell us what you don't like about the show. We listen to all of your feedback. Uh, I like to think of it simply as, yes, there's lots of times we get these stories and I will read between the lines or I will pull stuff out that might not actually might not actually even be there. But it's all opportunities to think about the possibilities. And I think that's an important thing. That's why we do partly what we do is to create opportunities for us to think about, well, what if this? What if that? What if I was in that situation? How would I handle this? Too many people don't think about this type of stuff until the moment they are in this high-stress situation that they're not really prepared for we want to think about that crap beforehand and know where the lines are drawn and where they're not drawn and know how we're going to handle ourselves in those kind of situations yeah that's the whole motivating thing for me behind doing sharing these stories in the podcast i know sometimes we get called out like well you didn't get this situation completely 100 accurate okay yeah i get things wrong all the time but don't focus too much on like that's somebody else's story. The exact same thing is not going to happen to you, but use it as an opportunity to ask yourself the what if questions, because that's where the learning can occur. That's where you can apply things to yourself and be like, how would I handle that situation? That's the more important thing about studying these so-called justified saves. So with that guys, uh, we're going to sign on out of here, let you go. Before we do, a couple things. Number one, a reminder of our sponsors of today's episode, ccwsafe.com and Elite Survival Systems. You can find them at elitesurvival.com. Today, we also need to announce our weekly podcast giveaway winner. What are we giving away today, Matthew? We are giving away a, I believe, let me double check. We are giving away a draw like a pro course. That's what it is. Nice. That's right. Yes. Draw draw like a pro. It's like an hour-long video uh, series, if you will, um, of me working together with one of our guys here at ConcealedCarry.com, uh, uh, Mitch, Mitch Gert. He's our social media manager. And kind of showing some of the keys, if you will, the secrets. Yes, that sounds really really awesome the secrets of draw efficiency mm-hmm. so if you want to learn how to draw like a pro 
you want to pick up a copy of Draw Like a Pro, or hopefully you're the lucky winner of this week's podcast giveaway. Who is our winner of Draw Like a Pro? Our winner this week is Kevin. Kevin, you won the Draw Like a Pro course. Your last name initial? J. Kevin J. There we go. <laughs> that that gives a few, you know, a few people maybe some hope. Oh, oh, my name's Kevin. Starts with a J. <laughs> <laughs> there might only be one of you out there. I don't know, but hopefully you are the lucky winner. Kevin J, congrats on winning draw like a pro. Um, also, next week, what are we giving away? We're giving away a Pitbull Tactical Magazine Carrier. Okay. Yeah, one of the, the elastic, expandable magazine pouch things. Um, I think they're pretty a pretty interesting concept, and I think they're great for like a – you know, if, if if I just wanted to have a couple of those hanging around for convenience sake to like use for basic practice or training in a course or at the range, um, you know, to, to where I wanted to have a few extra magazines on my belt to, to make my practice or training a little bit more efficient. Um, I think they're a great product for that purpose um, because they're adapt. Because the, the point is, is that they they fit any width of magazine. And that's what's nice about it. So if I'm practicing with this gun versus that gun, I don't have to have a custom fit magazine pouch for that particular gun and, and its associated magazines. I just use one of these. Now, I've got some other products I, I like actually to use as well. But but uh, anyway, guys, pick up a Pitbull magazine carrier uh, for free if you're our winner next week by signing up at concealedcarry.com forward slash podcast prize. Concealedcarry.com forward slash podcast prize. Sign up, and we will announce the winners next week. Until then, Matthew, last words? Thanks for uh, sticking around with me, man. I had fun. Yeah. So, until next time, a reminder to train right, train often, and train safe so you can fight hard, fight fast, and fight true. Take care. A reminder that laws vary from place to place, and we encourage listeners to seek local legal advice to understand applicable laws. The Concealed Carry Podcast, Concealed Carry Inc., ConcealedCarry.com, and their affiliates strive to share insights and stories about firearm-related incidents and laws, but things could be different where you live, or laws may have changed by the time you listen to this. We cannot be held liable for your actions based on the information shared in this podcast.